0: This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler.
1: And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. Representing the exact opposite of everything sensible in the world is my lovely co-host Ramon Howdy B. Howdy-do. Yes, there, And we have a guest today. Yay. It's Hans. Good morning. Hans van Velzer. That's me. Hans, are you Dutch?
2: You know what, my name is Dutch, I am Irish, I am 80% Irish. So you're drunk. I am not drunk.
1: Well, day ain't over yet. Now, uh, uh, Dutch people are like, all, they're all seven feet tall, have you ever noticed that?
2: I have noticed that. hmm Yeah, that's how you know I'm not Dutch, because I'm only
1: 5'11". Oh, is that right? Okay. <laughs> Which is not short, but it's not basketball. Right. Now, uh, we always start with what I like to call the headlines of the day. Uh, Hans is familiar with this. If you're just tuning in, we print these out on paper so you know the headlines are real. Being it's on paper. This really isn't a headline. This is a fun fact about Bob.
0: Oh, this will be exciting. Yeah.
1: I have a very lumpy mattress. All right. Yeah. So I looked on the tag and it said short-term memory foam.
0: That's good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: That's good stuff. Insert laugh here. Yeah, I stole that.
1: Okay, uh, so Hans called me this morning, which is always a bad idea mm-hmm. to call me on the day of the podcast, and that's how you end up being a victim. I mean, it's volunteer. Always great for us. It's great for us because we get so sick of the crap we normally do here. We have to get some new, fresh. Stuff
0: Insights.
1: Insights, right. Yes. So Hans he, uh, called with an issue. Tell us the story, Hans, for those tuning in. Bring us up to date.
2: Yeah, so I had a listing. Uh, one of my listings went live on Friday. All uh, right. And we had a crazy rodeo of showings all weekend all and right. an open house. By the and way, Hans has, is in
1: Rancho Cucamonga. That's, that's fun right. to say. It has the word kook in it, which
2: I like. It, it is. It is true. It's kooky. It is true.
1: Now, as Ra- of this. And by the way, in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, is that where the house is located?
2: That is where the house is located. All right,
1: yeah. and it was built yep. what year? Two thousand two. Okay, so that's on a little the little newer end. Now, Rancho Cucamonga is a Route sixty six town.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. it's historic, absolutely. So there's plenty of old and plenty, and there's some new as well. So this would that's be right. a little bit out on the outskirts of town. Is that fair to say?
2: Uh, it was actually, I think it was infill, so oh. it's not uh, on the outskirts of town. It's a newer build that's um, close to the center of the city. Actually, all right. Well,
1: then that's good news.
2: Yeah, yeah. for the value. Okay. Yep.
1: And then uh, you. Did a market analysis. We call it a CMA here. Country Music Awards. (laughs) See? He's ready for me. Oh, my God. Country Music Awards. All right. That's enough. I've been waiting to use that 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 You really have. He held out for 260-some episodes. Found it. To throw that in. So the CMA price that you came up with where you were guessing what one showing a day after the initial spurt was over would be how much?
2: Uh, about seven fifty. All
1: right, and then you listed it for how much?
2: Seven forty nine
1: nine. Okay, and then this is day number five. And how many showings did you have yesterday?
2: Yesterday we had three showings.
1: Okay, so that will drop down to about one. So he guessed correctly. He exactly ascertained what fair market value would be by doing the Country Music Awards calculation.
0: Country Music Awards. There you go.
1: So uh, we are we are really <laughs> we're beating it to death.
0: have <laughs> been, been waiting this whole time. I'm going to play one more time just because Go ahead. Wrong. Go ahead. Country Music Awards.
1: That's see. So if you're new in real estate, you don't know what CMA means, now you know. Now uh, so you have multiple offers, correct?
2: Yes. Yep.
1: How many offers total do you have? Uh 7. Seven offers, how many of them are uh, – we don't like to bid offers up unless they have at least 40% down. So yeah. for those tuning in new, here's the reason why. When you're a fearless agent, the deal doesn't fall out of escrow hardly ever because you always get non- large amounts of non-refundable earnest deposit. And uh, the amount that is not so much that it would scare somebody away, a real serious buyer away, but it's enough to protect the seller from the buyer just being a complete flake and backing out for no good reason uh, Mm -hmm. would be 1% of the sales price per 30 days. So, you know, roughly 8 or 9 or 10,000 per 30 days. So we'll just do round numbers, ten thousand dollars of earnest money. Um, so the the offer that is the now just for those tuning in here are the here are the priorities when you're negotiating an offer. Number one is the amount of cash down payment possibility. It doesn't mean they're maybe they're putting twenty percent down, but they could put a hundred percent down. So that would be plenty fine to counter or bid. But if it's FHA, VA, low money down, conventional, five percent down, you know, you don't you can't kick them up. And you had an offer you told me that was like that. They said they couldn't go any farther. Yep. And I believe they were at eight hundred, correct?
2: That is correct.
1: And then you have two offers that are about eight fifteen or eight twenty. So you got one that eight fifteen, if I recall. Yep. And what's yep. the what's the down payment story on them?
2: So they're uh, the offer structured where they would put 10% down, but they have enough cash in the bank to pay buy it outright with cash if they wanted to. Okay. But they're for whatever reason they're using a loan.
1: That's fine. So those are the people yeah. I would hope would win, okay? Because yep. they could pay cash. And then the other offer you have is how much?
2: Uh, the other offers eight twenty, and it is the offer structured with seven percent down it 's a conventional uh, but they also have enough cash to put about forty percent down
1: okay i 'm rooting for eight fifteen so let 's say i couldn 't change the sales price, which of those two parties would I sell my house to It would be eight fifteen because i don 't have to worry at all about the appraisal with them right so um I'm not sure that I would be. You know, the their old story is pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. So you don't want to. You're already fifty. You're already sixty-five and seventy grand over fair market value. So we know fair market value is seven fifty. We've proven that by putting on the market. The market is telling us that it would be risky to have these people go away because the market is going down. By the time this podcast airs the it could be seven twenty five could be fair market value. so um, I wouldn't recommend that the sellers get greedy, and I would try like heck to do business with the eight fifteen offer so whatever. You have an offer, there's there's different things that are of different importance. So the number one most important thing, everybody tuning in should write this down. It's always good to make a cover sheet, have the agent's name and cell phone number at the top that you staple to that offer that you printed out. I would always print them out on paper. And then that way you can flip through and you're not clicking and scrolling and all that baloney Um So, the amount of cash possibility. So, on the 815, it is 100%, which is 815. On the 820 offer, it's 40%. So, that'd be 8 times 4 is what? 320,000. So, 320,000. And then the next order of importance would be the price itself. You can counter the price, but you cannot counter the amount of the down payment, maximum. Okay. So the way to ask that is just say for – in order to – and you've already done that but in, for those of us tuning in, um, you say to the buyer agent, uh, if they to, in order to compete with other offers, if they had to put more cash down, what's the maximum of amount of cash they could put down if they wanted to or they had to even though they didn't want to and see what they say? But you got to know that before you start countering or anything like that. So that's priority number one. Priority number two is the price. Priority number three, like in this case, eight twenty is better than eight fifteen. But a hundred percent cash is so much better than forty percent cash that I would go with the eight fifteen if I couldn't change the price. Much less risky. And then. Uh, next would be the amount of the non-refundable earnest deposit so the purpose of non-refundable earnest deposit is again not so much that you're going to scare them away but it keeps the flakes makes the flakes flake out immediately rather than later on so in this and what's the close of escrow period uh length of term of the escrow on the 815 offer
2: uh they're both 30 days
1: okay so, ten grand ish okay, certainly yep. uh, eight thousand between eight and ten thousand is fine, so no one's going to walk away from eight thousand dollars um, uh, over something stupid, right? right so that means if they don't qualify for the loan, they lose their earnest money, so the way right. to write that up is is this so those of you tuning in you can write this down if you want to have non-refundable earnest money and we're going to use eight thousand in this in this case so um buyer agrees and understands this would be written in the counter offer buyer agrees and understands that the that upon the expiration Of the inspection period on and then you would put the date that the inspection period is over the earnest deposit of eight thousand dollars shall be irrevocably and indisputably non-refundable for any reason with the exception only of default by seller under this agreement so if the seller Breaches the contract, obviously the buyer gets their earnest deposit back, but under no circumstances would it happen for any other reason, no matter what. If you think there's any chance of them not understanding that, uh, then you would spell that out, like including but not limited to failure of the property to appraise, qualification of the loan by the buyer, etc. So... You could you could keep writing it if and and you I would do that. You're doing that for the benefit of the title company who is holding the earnest money and is going to give that back. Right. Now in real life, I don't want their earnest money. I just don't want them flaking out. So if I'm going to have a problem with them on day ten, I want to have it on day one. That's what earnest money is really about. Because in a declining market like we're in now, you couldn't have enough earnest deposit realistically to protect your seller from taking them off the market for 30 days. So after the earnest deposit, then the next priority, once they understand that they're going to lose the earnest money if they don't go through with the purchase for any reason, and you get them to verbally agree to that. Before you write up a counter. And then you say, the other thing we have to agree to is that you're going to buy the house as is. That means no repairs will be allowed by me. The seller will not be allowed to make a repair because I won't allow it. You not only cannot ask for a repair, you cannot ask for a credit towards a repair, which would be renegotiating the price. So if you're thinking of pulling that kind of baloney, the only sound you will hear is me laughing at you, not with you. It will not happen. Do you understand that? They say, yes, I understand that. And again, these people are b- begging you to accept their offer, so they're willing to do anything probably. The, bu- the buyer agent does not want to get back in the car and go look at more homes. I'm quite certain of that. And then uh, next would be, are you going to have a home inspection or not? So some people will uh, – w- they get to win – in a multiple bidding offer situation because they waive the home inspection. Um, is there one on that one, on the 815?
2: Uh, there will be home inspections on both of them, yeah.
1: Okay, and then the the length of that, how long that drags out is another issue. And yeah. then uh, after that would be close of escrow date, and they're both the same. And then after that would be what I would call weird stuff. Like, are, are are they asking for anything out of the ordinary, like post-possession or um, in personal property included or something like that? Is there anything weird like that going on?
2: No, there's nothing weird like that. There's a couple little... They, Buyers agents asking for them to use their escrow company instead of the one that the sellers have asked me to use. So little things. Why did the, Why did the
1: sellers ask you to use one? Uh,
2: it's uh, It's one that I recommended. It's an escrow company that is connected with our office that I know and trust, and I've never had any issues that I couldn't overcome. Here's
1: a, Here's a little little known fact that really is a RESPA violation. The buyer who is insured by the uh, uh, title insurance gets should get to choose according to REST, but they should get to choose who that is. I don't. You don't ever want to counter that. That could be a potential problem, hmm. especially just because your broker makes a buck off it. So courts hate that kind of stuff. So the the buyer should get to choose the. Uh, now the lender i would get to choose that because yeah. i don't want to have a loan problem so if you if i can get them to use my lender that's great i'm happy to use their title companies don't screw up by the way if you if you have a problem on a real estate transaction you don't have to wonder who will have screwed up it will always be the lender yeah by the way is it time for a shameless plug
2: Time for Bob Leffler's shameless
1: plug. We can do too. If, if any of the stuff we talk about here at the Big Podcast makes any sense to you whatsoever, and you happen to be earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, go to FearlessAgent.com. Watch our free webinar in the upper right hand corner of the banner. And you can call me anytime afterwards at 480-385-8810. That's my cell phone, and we'll just see if you and what you're trying to do and what we do at Fearless Agent, if that would be a good fit for you. Uh, Hans, you uh, are a coaching student. What would your recommendation be to somebody who's thinking about
2: Fearless Agent? Yeah, it's been uh, been really helpful. I think when I started, I've only been in the business for about three years, and it was... uh, I tried a couple of different coaches at the beginning and realized uh, after a recommendation from a colleague that I should uh, should give fearless Asian a shot and it's been it's been really helpful
0: uh, all right
2: followed followed the advice what's the biggest
1: difference between this and the other coaching programs according to you
2: uh, I think understanding uh, the the you know the CMA process. Doing mm-hmm. that in a, a way that makes more sense, um, totally different, thinking through that in a different way has been helpful. I saw the fruit of that with my listings this weekend uh, yeah. and the way that the pricing and showing and all of that. So uh, that's probably been the biggest the biggest difference. Uh, and then what we've been talking about today, dealing with multiple offer situations.
1: So, mm-hmm. And we yeah. don't have to screw around with that accountability scam that every other coach does that... Uh, is what they replace actual training with. I don't know what that's all about. But By the way, you can send business to hands in Rancho Kuki Cucamonga. Uh, that's in California. That's in Pasadena-ish, right?
2: Yeah, we're about 30 minutes east of Pasadena. Mm-hmm.
1: Did, you, did I tell you my daughter went to Azusa? Yeah. Yeah. So you can call Hans toll-free day or night at 714-519-9399 and he will do a great job for you obviously. What other questions do you have, Hans?
2: You know, that this one with the multiple offer situation and trying to navigate that, that's what's been really consuming my my uh thoughts last night and this morning, so I I don't even know if my brain has room for any other questions right now.
1: Another good way to look at it is what if I was the buyer agent? So there's people that work with buyers who are tuning in. So if if I was the buyer agent, I would be coaching my buyer because we're in a, if you're in a multiple offer situation and, and many times you are and you don't know you are. So I would always can tell my buyer, um, uh, I used to say this to my buyers. They'd say, do you think we could offer less? And I'd say, if I have some inside information that there are other offers on that property right now higher than what you're thinking of offering, would you want me to tell you or would you want me to keep it a secret? And the buyers would go, are there other offers? And I'd go, I don't know, but I want you to hang on to that feeling you just had right there, that feeling of losing your favorite house That feeling of somebody else living in your favorite house instead of you. Five years from now, you drive by that house and somebody else is living in it. Hang on to that feeling when you make your offer. And that gets their head right. So – and I still have to listen to my mother-in-law do that to my father-in-law 30 years after the house they lost. (laughs) It's kind of sad. So – don't don't lose the house over over trying to be a negotiator, so when you're the listing agent, you are God when you're the buy when the when you're the uh selling agent or the buyer's agent, you are begging okay so it's good to know your place in the world so uh Hans has multiple offers he doesn't have to tell me that when I'm representing the buyer it 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 probably is a good idea that he does tell me that. And then, uh, so I am going to come at it from the, from the, uh, not, I'm trying, I'm not going to be trying to be Mr. Negotiator. I'm going to try to get my buyer living in their favorite house instead of somebody else's buyer living in my buyer's favorite house. So if you think about it that way, when I represent the buyer, it's not about getting the best price, it's about getting to live in, in their favorite house. So I, I've been the buyer all I cared about. I did not care about getting a good deal. I only cared about living. And if I did care about getting a good deal, somebody else would be living in my favorite house instead of me. So uh, it's good to get your head on right when you're the buyer agent. And many times, you've probably talked to some buyer agents that didn't have their head on straight that way. Isn't that correct, Hans?
2: Yeah, I saw it this weekend with the number of showings we had and the number of offers we received that it, it was clear that those agents have not educated their clients
1: yeah they don't know so when you're when you're out um you know when, I, when you're working with a buyer i always i always say um so i'm going to create a list i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about what you like and what you don't like um because i don't want to waste your time looking at you know, houses that you don't like, which is the number one complaint from buyers about agents. They keep showing us stuff we don't like. And of course, we're showing them what they can afford. And nobody likes that. But th- then uh, I'll I'll print out a list of the um, – and that's how I would do it. These days, that's how I would do it. I would not do it on a computer screen. I would not do it via email. I would not be sending it to them. I would be sitting down with them and having them weed out the ones – they don't like and tell me why so we're not going to waste our time looking at these and then um uh, when they go through that list that may we more quickly can get to the ones you do like and that way we more quickly get to the ones you love and that way we more quickly get to your favorite house and by the way your favorite house will be every buyer's favorite house, and our job would be to beat every other buyer to your favorite house and overpay for it so you don't end up with somebody else living in your favorite house so that's that's the idea so a, a perfect example is a house next the house next door to your two thousand two house that we're talking about what year was it built
2: uh same year.
1: All right. So it was a whole infill neighborhood. Yeah. So the neighborhood nearest to it that's built in the uh, time frame that they were built back then. What year were those houses? Sixties.
2: Uh, the closest one is probably going to be eighties.
1: Okay. So a nineteen eighties yeah. house. I would be willing to bet that those sold for mm, probably a hundred. Back in the nineteen eighties, does that sound right to you? Could
2: yeah, be. That could be, about
1: right. it could be less than that. Actually, it wouldn't be. Yeah,
2: probably nineties um, to. Yeah, I would say nineties to high nineties. So,
1: so roughly a hundred. So again, yep. it has doubled and went to two hundred. It doubled and went to four hundred. It's doubled again and gone to eight hundred. So overpaying when when you paid a hundred thousand for it in nineteen eighty instead of ninety to win, mm-hmm. would it matter? No. You know, you can't get hurt by overpaying, uh, unless you're going to live there for a very short period of time. And if that's the case, you should probably rent. So it's just good to get uh, get the buyers. A- you know, usually the buyer's head is on straight, but their agent's head is not on straight. <laughs> so um, Ramon, is your head on straight?
0: Nope. No, it hasn't make. been.
1: I say I tell people I went to Rutgers, which is true, but it was just for an AA meeting. I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts. Um, so, uh, how about you, Hans? Did you go to college?
2: I did go to college.
1: Where did you go?
2: I went to Biola University in La Mirada.
1: You know, my daughter worked at Biola. Oh, cool! Yeah, I uh, she did an internship there. So that's it's a, a lovely campus.
2: Yeah, it <clears> is. <throat> it is a beautiful campus. Yeah.
1: Now uh, what was the thing they had that was fancy in the middle? Some sort of art thing or something? What the heck was I trying to think? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It wasn't Touchdown Jesus. It was just love. No, they it have a,
2: a they have a mural. That's it. Yeah, Jesus mural.
1: That's right. All right. So the uh, so negotiating the offer the other the other key point is always treat the Buyer agent, like they are your customer, so sometimes right. they get a little huffy about you know they're they're trying to get you to give you a make them make you give them a quick answer, and, and it's always good to just kind of slow them down and say, well, it, just so you know, we, you know, we're in a multiple offer situation, uh, you know, I can coach you on how to win if you want me to, if you're if you're able to, um, but I'm going to make sure, and in my opinion is this the the buyer who wants to pay the most should have the opportunity the buyer who's able to pay the most meaning enough cash to put down so that they don't there's no risk of an appraisal coming low so the buyer who is able to pay the most and wants to pay the most should have the opportunity to pay the most i think everybody would agree with that the seller should also have the opportunity to sell their house to the buyer who wants to pay the most and is able to pay the most. And the way that that cannot happen, there's, there are ways that that can not happen. One is called an escalation clause. It would keep that from happening. The other would be highest and best. That ridiculous idea would Absolutely guarantee you that that wouldn't happen. And then the other thing is having some artificial date on which we will be reviewing offers or something like that. That w- that would keep that from happening. The only way it will really happen is if you verbally, not in writing, not count don't don't counter anything until you've agreed to all those priorities we talked about verbally. And once you you know you have the winning bidder on price. And they have enough money to put down. Only then would you talk about the earnest deposit because if you don't need to worry about the amount of the non-refundable earnest deposit if you can't even agree on the price, obviously. And you don't need to worry about the uh, them buying it as is uh, with no repairs if you can't even agree to the amount of the non-refundable earnest deposit. And you don't need to worry about whether they're going to have a home inspection or not if you can't even agree that we're going to do business in such a way that you're buying the house as is. And you don't need to worry about the close of escrow date if we can't even agree on whether you're going to have a home inspection or not. And we don't need to worry about uh, whether the riding lawnmower is included if we can't even agree on the close of escrow date. So you need to just negotiate – and agree to those things in in the right priority, um, and that makes everything simpler. And then once they've agreed to everything verbally, then say, "Okay, I'll write it up." So Hans, you should write up the counteroffer, mm-hmm. and then make sure your seller is the very last person to sign it. So you write it up based on all all of your verbal agreements. Now it's in writing. Then the then the buyer signs it, and then you bring it to the seller. And they'll right. be the last person to sign it because when the seller signs it, they are trapped. They cannot back out. The buyer can back out, but the seller can't. So just in the off chance a better offer would come along while they're flailing with signing in it or something like that. Now, uh, I want to thank you, Hans, for being on the show. We're going to plug in one more time. Another shameless plug for Hans at 714-519-9399. Send your buyers, sellers, large sacks of cash to Hans Van Velzer in Rancho Cucamonga. And thank you, Hans, for being with us. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Ramon. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. And once again, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. Please do visit us at fearlessagent.com. Watch the webinar. You can always call me directly at 480-385-8810. If you're an owner of a real estate company and you happen to be recruiting fewer producing agents than you wish you were, go to fearlessagentrecruiting.com. Watch our video. Uh, Subscribe to fearlessagent.tv if you haven't already. Also, subscribe to this podcast at fearlessagentpodcast.com if you haven't already. And until next week, do what we always do. Have fun. Be humble like Hans and be fearless. Thanks, game.
0: Country Music Awards. There you go. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.